This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and today's show is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. For those of you who have been listeners to the show the last few years know that every year I try to watch every single Oscar-nominated movie. That includes the documentaries, the visual effects films, and most importantly, all the shorts. This has become a recent trend in the last few years, something I'm not alone in doing, called the Oscars Death Race. Today, I interview Paulo Bautista, host of the Oscars Death Race podcast, as we discuss what it's like trying to watch 53 movies in such a short period of time, and how it affects watching the Academy Awards. I hope you enjoy this bonus episode and interview. And now I'm joined by Paulo Bautista, the host of the Oscar Death Race podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Paulo. How are you doing? I'm good. Great to be here, Dakota. Thanks for having me on. I feel like the two of us have kind of been circling each other the last little month and a half, two months, and so it's nice to finally get a chance to talk in person. Yeah, for sure. As as in person as podcast recording goes, right? Exactly. You're in New York City. I'm in Toronto, Canada. This is our uh, international bonding experience. Exactly. Hopefully I can make it out to TIFF one day and and actually meet up in person, perhaps. That would be crazy. Uh, I would love to go to Tribeca or New York Film Festival as well. Uh, You guys get all the great movies, but so do we. So it's uh, it's nice that we're both in sort of these cinema meccas. I know. Definitely made the Oscar death race uh, pretty a lot easier to do this uh, this this year around. That's good to hear. And same for me. I actually saw Harriet at uh, TIFF way before I knew much about it, just because I like Cynthia Erivo, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I got it out of the way nice and early. That ended up being the uh, second to last film I ended up watching for the Oscars death race. All right. I feel like we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves now. What we're talking about, this Oscar death race, this is this challenge that I feel has been growing in popularity the last few years where it is a person's mission to watch every single nominated film. And you started a podcast this year where you were trying to do it. And this year there were 53 nominated movies. And I believe that uh, you completed it all, right? Yeah, I got I got to all fifty three. Um, a little bit of a squeaker. Uh, watched the last movie pretty much like the evening, you know, before uh, the actual ceremony itself. But I did get to all fifty three, which is, uh, I guess, my first time actually attempting to do the Oscars death race, and then uh, lucky enough to be able to finish it actually on the first try. Interesting. Okay. I, yeah. So then that leads me to a sort of a two part question. One. Why did you decide to take on this insane challenge? And two, what made you sort of transition to wine to make it into a podcast as well? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, just just so that everyone knows, I guess, a little bit of history about the Oscar Death Race podcast in general. Um, as far as I can tell, it kind of started out um, when journalist uh, Sarah Bunting um, uh, who uh, basically took this challenge on and started blogging about it. I think sometime like 2009-ish, maybe 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, so the idea has been around for pretty much close to a decade at this point. Um, and, you know, at the time, that was kind of before Netflix had really come onto the scene. So really being able to go and watch all of the films um, really was like a challenge for a lot of the film community. Now, at that time, you know, that I was basically just graduating high school at the time. I wasn't really a super big movie goer at the time. Um, and then, you know, I graduated college around 2014 or so. And kind of, you know, when I'm in the city, you know, here in New York uh, for my first job, you know, an easy way to, you know, spend time is to, you know, go see a movie um, afterwards. So 
Um, you know, I, I like going to movies easily enough. I, I, I enjoy a lot of genre films, um, you know, superhero movies and so on. I, I definitely remember the first movie I really click, cling, clung on to when I got to New York was uh, I got to go see an early screening of Guardians of the Galaxy. And Good is still like my favorite character from the Marvel Universe. So um, I watched enough movies decently enough. And then around 2017 or so, I kind of you know got a little bit more, you know, I – I had always been interested kind of in the content creation space. And I felt that the, in order to create good content, um, it, it pays really to consume good content as well, right? Um, and some of my favorite YouTubers and podcasters were people reviewing movies and reviewing, um, you know, also other things, I mean, just like anime, video games, and so on. So, you know, 2017 comes around and kind of I have like this uh, mini resolution, so to speak, to, you know, I want to watch 100 movies this year, Um so I kind of set out to do that. I, I didn't quite hit 100. I, I hit something around like I think 90 or so um, was was the number I ended up hitting on that year. Um, and, you know, partly helped because new movie pass kind of went wide, um, I, I, I believe, kind of August 2017 or something like that. Um, so that's definitely when uh, it kicked into high gear. 2018, I had... Um, you know, a, a lot of life changes going on that year. So I ended up, you know, hitting only about 56 or so. And so kind of that kind of that perennial new year resolution of let me get to 100 movies kind of continued into 2019 last year also didn't hit it i got about 90 or so again um but kind of in the process i ended up you know happening to hit upon a lot of the uh you know what i presume would become best best picture nominees uh in 2019 i think in 2017 i hit like five out of the nine and in 2016 or 2018 i hit like six out of the nine so um at the same time, I'm definitely a big consumer of podcasts. I think if I check my subscriptions, I'm something like sixty or seventy podcasts that Whoa. I'm that I'm that I'm that I'm subscribed to. Um, you know, for me, it's it's what I listen to while I work. I work with a lot of numbers, um, so it's kind of having it's almost like having the radio on in the background. Um, and I listen to like lots of things at like one point seven times speed, which is how I'm able to like listen to everything. Um, but yeah, I've always wanted to do podcasts. I actually, for my alumni association, started a podcast uh, where I interview alumni about things they've been doing, you know, since graduating. Um, you know, really small, really personal, like very small specific audience, not really meant for wide consumption. And then kind of, you know, one of my other New Year's resolutions for 2019 was to let me go ahead and actually create a podcast and stick with it. I, I've always had this issue of like, you know, let me start a blog for my New Year's resolution. And then I kind of quit on it like two months in because life gets too busy. And like, no, I'm going to go ahead, start a podcast and see it through, even if it's like a limited run podcast, not like a one I'm doing constantly, just a podcast I'm releasing every week, um, more or less on time. There are a couple of weeks for the Oscar's Death Race podcast where I was a little bit late. So that's kind of where it came from. I ended up, uh, uh, you know, deciding, all right, the Oscar's Death Race, I love watching movies in general. Um, I was already kind of at that, I think like the 80th mark or so for, by the time uh, December rolled about. So I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make an effort to watch as many as I can, um, put myself in a good position because I was going on a vacation to Asia um, to come back uh, right around when the nominations were to like, you know, Hopefully, I'll be in a good place to watch most of the nominees. Um, living in New York, I knew that the IFC Center here would run all of the short films, um, documentaries, animated, and live action. So I wasn't really worried about those. And I know that those would probably be the biggest ones um, 
took for that most people would worry about. Um, Corpus Christi, also an international one, kind of ended up being a bit of a pain, though. Um, the high seas kind of pulled through for that one. But in any case, yeah, that, that's kind of where the idea for the Oscars Death Race podcast came from. And um, after we talk here, I'm probably going to go and record the final interview that I'm, that I'm going to be doing, or final episode, um, where I kind of do my recap of how the Oscar Death Race went. So that's a very long, winding answer to, to your question, I guess. No, but, I, yeah. I appreciate that. That was definitely a lot of insight. It's nice to hear that sort of stuff. For me, I feel like my background is a little bit similar. I think it was around 2010, 2011, I started trying to watch more of the nominated movies because I was I felt like I didn't know half the things that were happening during the Oscars. And then in 2012, uh, I was making a much more concerted effort of let's try to do as much as I can. And much like you were saying at the IFC Center up in Toronto, we have um, the Festival TIFF has its own movie theater that runs year round. And they do they show new movies, but they also will do like uh, 80 millimeter screenings or 65 millimeter screenings or they'll have interview in a movie sort of thing. And it's all over the place. And that's when I realized that they were also doing the shorts. And so I think when I was seeing that, that's like, hey, I can actually, you know, try to get through most of this. And uh, and so ever since 2012, I've been trying to watch every single nominated film. I don't know if you have the same thing, but usually when I tell people, I'm like, oh, yeah, I watch every single nominated film. I'm like, oh, yeah, the best pictures, me too. I'm like, no, 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 everything. Do you, yeah, do that, you have that too? I, I, I kind of have that too. Um like when I went back, you know, so I'm, I'm, my family's from the Philippines. So I went back to the Philippines over over my holiday. Um, I was kind of explaining this to my my titos and titas uh, back in the Philippines. Um, told them about the podcast, which I'm sure that's where like a good number of my subscribers came from. Actually, shout out to my family. Um, but yeah, I, I had to explain like, yeah, no, it's not just the best picture nominees; it's everyone. Um, and that kind of like raises a lot of eyebrows. But I kind of explained that I'm already watching a lot of movies. I happen, I just happen to watch, you know, a lot of stuff out there so um it's not that much more of a reach when you're already watching a lot of stuff yeah for sure now that was something i wanted to ask you about is the growth of the show you you just started doing it this fall have you been noticing already lots of positive feedback and, and some good numbers for it um i mean you know i honestly i think for me con and this is kind of more reels toward my philosophy of content creation um you know i this is definitely like an independent like if if like, you know, there's like the indie films out there or whatever, um, mine is definitely more like a student film type of thing. I'm still learning, you know, a lot about how to do podcasting in general. So for me, it's more about practicing the form of podcasting, right? Um, like my other podcast, my alumni association was definitely more of an interview podcast. This one is kind of more like a free form solo ramble type podcast with like so notes. Um, I want to, at some point in the future, do more like scripted, like I write out a script um, and, and, and create a narrative type podcast. Um, and maybe, you know, at hopefully one day get a co-host on some sort of podcast where, and work on that. So this is still as much as it is me, like give, giving me an excuse to watch all the movies and, you know, an excuse to practice being on time and regular. It's also just the practice of just the, the act of making a podcast and the act of creating something. Right. So I really honestly didn't put too much effort into promoting uh, the podcast. Um, I pretty much only advertised on the Oscars death race subreddit. I think I got some, but at this point I think I'm something, you know, very low double digit subscribers, which is much more than I was expecting. Um, I think like over the eight episodes or so, so far, something like, 
I guess like 300 is, you know, listens so far, which, you know, isn't amazing, but also like more than I was ever expecting. So, you know, that's kind of sort of gratifying to see. That's fantastic to hear. I, I think you, you also hit on a really good thing that we need to talk about is the, the Oscars death race subreddit that's become sort of this community hub where I didn't, I didn't know about the, the term death race until I saw the subreddit, which I then eventually found the same article that you mentioned earlier. Um, and I think this community has kind of been really invaluable. It's it's not only embraced both uh, both of our shows, but also the this community of people talking about movie. And, and it's so interesting to hear all the very different opinions everyone has. But it all sort of comes back down to that's nice that you like this and I don't like this. But at the end, we're just trying to watch it all. So we're all sort of in this insane thing together and i feel like because of that there's a lot less negativity going on compared to you know other places where there might be film discussion on the internet right and then i think one other nice thing is is the fact that everyone's trying to watch everything kind of and if you know you're lucky enough to be able to complete watching everything um it kind of gives you like a nice common ground when it comes to discussing uh when it comes to discussing film in general right so like for example like i think you commented this on like one of my early episodes when i admitted i'd never seen you know many scorsese films i think my first ever scorsese film was the silence back in 2017 when i first started tracking movies and so like yeah i haven't seen a lot of classic films and when i go to other places for movie discussion like i'm it's really hard to have a discussion about film if I haven't seen the films, right? But here for the Oscar death race community, you know, even though the focus is on completing the film and, you know, maybe there's not as much discussion about, oh, what do I think about the film from a film critique angle? Like, at the very least, you know that the people who have completed it and who have joined you on the race are able to talk about films kind of in that way. And you know that they have a common point of reference, I guess. It's interesting. I feel like it's a little bit easier to have a bit more of a nuanced opinion when you when when i when i you know if i'm talking to you i know you've seen all 53 films if i were to say okay this movie i didn't really care for as much but i'm you know i'm also framing it under this umbrella of there's 51 other movies i'm sort of comparing it to whereas if you sort of take away that aspect it's like yeah i don't like this well it's like what else have you seen recently are you are you saying just in general you don't like this or is there something specific about it it becomes a bit more of a, a muddied thing and i think People understand that when you're doing something like this, there's the ability to have a bit more uh, common ground. Yeah, it's almost like kind of the world's most intense uh, movie uh, book club almost, right? Yeah, that's a great way of framing it. And I think this year was very different for me in that – well, one, this was the first time I've ever gotten 100%. I've never, I've always gotten within two or three. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, same to you. There's, there's always been like one documentary or one international foreign film uh, that is just impossible to get a hold of. And, and this year, through some miracle, uh, through the subreddit of people sharing their links in, in private downloads and some other uh, private screenings that we, we can't mention. Mm-hmm. Um, gave the ability to be there for everyone to see it. But also this year was very interesting because the Oscar timeline was shortened. Normally it's about a month and a half, closer to two months between the nomination announcements and the award ceremony. 
And this was like just under four weeks and it's never been that short before. And so I felt going into it, I had to pre-watch as many movies as I could that I thought might be nominated just so that way I didn't have to worry about all the stuff that came out, you know, from June to September. I only had to worry about the stuff that was coming out in December, basically. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean... So, I mean, th- if we're talking about, like, movies that we thought would get in but didn't, I definitely was hoping The Farewell um, would get in, and unfortunately that didn't. I was going to watch The Farewell anyway because I'm, you know, really interested in uh, in Asian American and Asian cinema in general. Um, so I was kind of hoping that would get through. Uh, but, you know, on my vacation, I definitely made time to to download and watch Dolomite as my name, which didn't get through. On my flight back, I definitely remember I was trying to, I, I posted in the subreddit, um, hey, so these are the flight the films on my flight back to the States. Um, which ones do you guys think will be in there? I'm pretty sure you, t- you told me that Zemini Man might be nominated for uh, for Best Visual Effects when it was not. So I basically wasted two hours watching Gemini Man. Um, when I actually could have been watching Maleficent, which I wasn't expecting, also, which I totally could have on the plane. Okay, I guess you can throw me under the bus one more time. Yeah, I know. But yeah, it's all good. I mean, it's all good. I honestly Gemini Man wasn't that bad. I wouldn't have watched it otherwise. So I guess that's another nice thing about the the death phase. Like I would not have gone out of my way to watch some of these films, even if they ended up not getting nominated. Um and at the very least, even if I maybe didn't necessarily enjoy the film, I can definitely at least think about like, you know, why didn't I enjoy that film and have that vocabulary for future film discussion when I'm looking at other stuff. Now I'm curious, were there any movies that you either went in either knowing nothing or not expecting much about it and ended up loving or movies that like just super disappointed you? Like what were some of your like, I guess, surprise favorites and least favorites? Hmm. So uh, I have the list pulled up right now. So obviously Parasite, I definitely went in knowing as little as possible because uh, that's kind of what everyone had told me at that point. Go in as little as possible. There was a little bit of hype about it at that point. Um, it already done well at, you know, abroad. I think there were some events in L.A. already, like private events, not not the uh, release already. Um, but I was actually lucky enough. Um, so I think at the Indie Awards, Bong Joon-ho mentioned that he did a Q&A at the New York premiere and there was like a rap you know, running across or whatever, uh, the theater. Um, I'm pretty sure he was talking about the IFC screening I was at, um, cause that's definitely an old building. So Parasite definitely, I think, you know, came out and surprised everyone. And I think everyone, but I, I think that's kind of a cheap answer where everyone kind of was expecting that to be, uh, uh, well, everyone was kind of surprised by how good it was. Um, and, and obviously went all the way. Um, I'll say probably the two popes actually was, was my big surprise of what I really ended up enjoying. What was the um, reason behind you not expecting much about it? Um, I don't know. I honestly just didn't have really any expectations about it. I thought like the concept of like, you know, the two popes kind of just talking things out basically doesn't sound like really compelling cinema, but I definitely can get behind Anthony Hopkins and, and, and Jonathan Price's nominations for best acting and best supporting actor um, based off of you know the conversation they had. Um, I'll also say um, Corpus Christi and Pain and Glory also really surprised me. I mean, um, there's so much, obviously there's so much international cinema out there. It's just really hard to really get to everything. Um, but Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory was definitely uh, uh, a great thing to, to, to be able to watch. And then when I finally got to see Corpus Christi, which took forever to, to find a copy of, um, I actually think that would make a really cool double feature uh, between uh, two popes and Corpus Christi kind of talking about religion um, and how people approach religion, especially Catholicism in general. 
It's interesting. I was watching Corpus Christi and thought it would pair really well with First Reform, the Ethan Hawke movie from last mm-hmm. year. Did you see that I, one? I did not actually. So yeah, I, I heard a lot of good things about it, but that, that, that I was unfortunately not able to watch that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. If, if you get a chance, you should check that one out for sure. I think it, it does. It would do really well uh, paired up with Corpus Christi and the two popes uh, for that matter as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely like a Catholic cinematic universe out there or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, um, Klaus was a movie I was really hesitant yes. to watch. Just because this idea of, like, I'm I'm a bit of a Grinch myself. I really hate Christmas music and Christmas movies. Uh, music mostly because I worked retail when I was younger, and that's all you hear for about two and a half months, and you just absolutely hate it. And Christmas movies, I find, are just so over-the-top sentimental that's just not my forte and so i was like oh there's no way i'm going to be able to sit down and watch a kid's movie about christmas and i was really pleasantly surprised with just how great that movie was yeah i'll say that actually also was another one of the surprises as well i mean um i didn't really you know it really wasn't on my radar at all i kind of i guess i probably lumped it in like the other Netflix original Christmas movies or whatever, which exactly. like, okay, I don't, I don't have time to like watch any of these. I have other, you know, other things to be watching for the death race. Um, but then they came up. So I did, I will say for animation, I kind of my bone to pick with the Oscars is that I really wish one time they would just give some respect to the anime films out of Japan. That's not Miyazaki. Um, I was really hoping pulling for weathering with you to get nominated, but alas, did not this year. So uh, hopefully we'll see it, uh, an anime, maybe one best picture one day or mm-hmm. animated picture one day mm-hmm. for, for people that have, listen to this show for a while i often complain about the category i i really hate the way it's set up it's unfortunately due to the fact that disney and pixar employees make up a a large percentage of the voting block and of course they're always going to vote for their own studios movies so i thought this year the fact that frozen 2 got snubbed that we'd actually see a, a surprise winner whether it was um klaus i lost my body or missing link but unfortunately the worst of the four toy stories ended up winning I mean, I think even beyond that, I think from what I've seen of like, you know, anonymous ballots that have been released, you know, unfortunately, I, I kind of railed on this on my last uh, on my la- on my podcast. But like, you know, animation is not a genre. It's a medium, basically. Right. And, and you know, I mean, the breadth of, of stories told here kind of attests to that, especially also in the animated short films. You know, you can tell really mature adult stories through the medium of animation. I mean, that's that's part of why I like anime so much. Um, and also like stop motion in your know, animation in general will always get me. Um, but yeah, I think most Oscar voters tend to just think, oh, it's just like a kid's movie basically. And they go with what their kids liked, unfortunately. It's an unfortunate dichotomy where you have to separate. I, I feel like you almost need to separate the kids geared films versus the more adult mature films. And yeah. then you're essentially awarding two different Oscars and, you know, you're just sort of diluting the award at that point. Yeah, I mean, not to take anything away from Toy Story Four. I think, you know, if if anything, I think it 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 I won't. It's hard to say like what deserved it more than the other. Um, but I think it definitely earned it. Like I think I'll say. Um, I, I definitely think Toy Story Four was at least the very least a competent, uh, film that that you know hit on a lot of at least emotional notes for me. Um, having grown up with the Toy Story series. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever gone and watched the short films before, or was this your first time? Um. 
I had watched the animated short films, kind of, you know, going with my love of animation in general. I had gone back and watched uh, at IFC Center the Oscar-nominated animated shorts, um, but not the documentary shorts um, or the live-action shorts before. Normally, because, like, those tend to be a little bit more depressing, which I guess was the case here also. Um, but, uh, yeah, I tended to stick with the with the animated shorts for the most part. I, I definitely like watching the shorts because I think it gives a really interesting insight of the sort of future of filmmakers because you'll often see the people either, you know, acting, writing, directing these sorts of movies, you know, two, three, four years down the line, they end up getting much bigger projects and it's because they, you know, get an Oscar nomination or an Oscar win for their short category. So it's really cool to, to sort of see the progression of some people's careers due to appearing on the ballots. Yeah, I mean, what was that one a couple of years ago? Or was it maybe it was last year? The one about that, you know, that cowboy sheriff. Um, I think it was by a bunch of, you know, Pixar employees kind of doing it in their spare time. Oh, yeah, yeah. That animatron. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm blanking on the name of it, but I know which one yeah, you're talking I'm, about. Yeah, I'm blanking on the name too, but I think kind of like that. And Pixar's uh, Spark Sorts, which they released, you know, uh, this past year on, on Disney Plus. Um, I think also, you know, going, I was actually kind of hoping. In the nominations, you know, uh, instead of Kitbull getting it from the Sparks, I was hoping the Float uh, would get it. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because it had like a, it's like the first Pixar animated or Pixar uh, Filipino character um, for representation. Um, but I think like that story for Float um, was also like a, a really uh, nice one. I think even better than than uh, Kitbull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That um, Kitbull was not one I was I was super. A fan of I, I think it was the, my least favorite of the five even though i still did uh quite enjoy it i will say all five of those animated shorts this year definitely made me super emotional and and that's usually not the case there's usually a couple that are funny but all five of them wrecked me yeah i'll say yeah i think my pick had been memorable so yeah i ended up doing i think uh out of the 24 categories i got 19 correct on, on, on my ballot when um, I like did it at my office poll, which is, you know, um, I'm, I was pretty okay. I was pretty happy with um, the one the one that I missed um, was the live action sort. Actually, I, I had put down Brotherhood would win, but I ended up uh, the neighbor's window was actually liked more and ended up winning that category instead. Mm-hmm. I find with that category, the live action short. If there is only one film in English, it unfortunately has the edge over the non-English ones. Ah, that uh, that'll be good to know for next year's ballot. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple times where I've found that that wins, and it's I was I would rank the neighbor's window as number five for me. I preferred all four over it. Um, Brotherhood and Nefta Football Club being my two favorites. Yeah, I I, I like Nefta Football Club more, um, just because like I think the the punchline at the end was 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 great. I think for me the neighbors' window is very new. It's a very New York thing. I think what they were experiencing, and so I definitely like. I think that that personal bias I think kept into like why I like neighbors' window so much. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I'm curious. So now that you've done this death race one, do you think this is going to be an annual occurrence for you? Yeah, I think so. Actually, I really did enjoy um, you know doing this. Uh, on a um you know this kind of crazy nine week podcast you know limited run um i mean i i as it is i'm already at you know for my hundred movie goal for the year i'm already at 24 and it's only like not even midway through february so i'm definitely going to blow past 100 movies um and you know hopefully that along the way that that just puts me up in a good position when the time comes to only have to complete a couple more when it comes to uh the 2021 oscar ceremony 
Are you going to be trying to drag any friends or family members into this with you, or at least uh, do put them into the shallow end a little bit at first? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I do bring my wife with me to movies quite often, uh, so uh, maybe she'll just inadvertently end up coming along with me on the race. Um, we'll see. That's the same way with me. My uh, my wife's started trying to keep up with me and then she realized that some subject matter she doesn't care for as much so she she knows which one she doesn't want to watch so this year she was only short by five uh which is pretty which is pretty impressive for her too Mm. and i actually got another friend uh i've got a small group of friends that we go and see movies together and we have a little film chat going on and she is she doesn't really know a ton about movies and and has a bunch of big huge blind spots so she's always like oh recommend me movies i'm so interested and so this year she kept up with it every time i was downloading movies or we were going out to the movies i'd invite her and i throw movies up on a google drive for her to watch and she actually got through everything except for st louis superman which was the one difficult one for almost Uh, everyone yeah yeah, for sure. I I don't know. I think for me, I I think for me, this goes kind of goes back to content creation. I think one of like my ideas for good content creation is somebody who can curate other content for other people, right? So you know, kind of doing the Oscar death race kind of allows you to have that almost authority. I guess not not quite authority, but at the very least, you know, if you know what your taste is and other people knows how well their taste aligns with yours. At the very least, I can see things. And then, um, you know, I've, I've been posting on social media like, yeah, these are my picks for the Oscars. I've done the Oscar death race. And then my cousin messaged me, you know, out of the blue. It's like, dude, you have some really good recommendations for movies. What would you recommend that I watch next? And so, like, it feels really gratifying, even if, like, I'm not pulling them along into the race, to be able to say, okay, like, based on what I've seen, you know, these are my favorites, uh, you know, vary your taste according to what you know about me and what I like, basically. So I think that's something that, you know, be it for my friends and family or even if i do another podcast talking about movies in general kind of curating content in that way i think it's something that i, I want to keep up keep on doing well awesome i uh i think that was a really fun discussion we just had and i'm excited to see where you go next with your show uh, i know you've got a few different ideas out there is there anything you, you want to share about it yeah, so obviously the Oscars Death Race podcast will be on hiatus until probably December um, of tw- of 2020, just because you know there really isn't any. Though you know, we'll see if something comes up where like I I can see like maybe maybe midway through the year I I talk about like which films I think you know that's come out so far might be good for the Oscars to to check out. Like producer West Side Story coming out this year is going to be a big deal. Um, I hope Minari out of uh, Sundance, which won the, the the audience award, you know, hopefully we'll we'll pull through. We'll see if that 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 comes out. Um, but other than that, other podcasts. So uh, they haven't launched yet. I actually haven't recorded anything for them. But um, one thing I do, you know, on my personal Facebook stuff is I'm a bit of a numbers geek, and I really enjoy box office numbers and watching. Like even before I, you know, got into doing the Oscar Death Race, I've I've always been following along with the box office. Um, you know, for example, when Avengers had its crazy run, I was posting weekly, if not more weekly, if not more frequent updates about how close we were to getting, how quick we were to breaking a billion, how close we were to getting to two billion, um, breaking whatever numbers we had, you know, coming along. Um, and then when Crazy Rich Asians came out the year before, you know, kind of I did, you know, intersecting with my interest in Asian and Asian American representation in media, um, looking at how you know, a, like how Crazy Rich Asians opening 
was pretty monumental and what it meant for Asian and Asian American cinema um, in here in the States. So, you know, I'm probably going to do a pod, that podcast um, still workshopping the name, but something either like box office watch or box office numbers. Um, Cause I found that like a lot of people don't know about the way the box office works and the way that movies are like the success of a movie is checked and what it means. What, what's the per theater average mean, or, you know, what is domestic versus international? Like, why is it important? You know, I, I had this huge rant on social media about how the coronavirus, you know, that's probably going to be a billion dollar loss for the box office industry this year alone, just because of the ripple effects from canceling, like China closing down all its movie theaters during Lunar New Year weekend, which makes up easily 10% of its annual box office sales. So, you know, Probably gonna have a podcast on that. Um, I'll probably post in my in my feed when that comes out, and then um, kind of in a similar vein to the box office, uh, the death, the the Oscar death race. Um, I, you know, I, I alluded to earlier that there are definitely gaps in my film watching history. Like I haven't watched Scorsese movies. I only recently just watched Pulp Fiction for the first time last year. Um, so I have a bunch of Tarantino films to catch up on. I've always wanted to watch Kurosawa films, you know, um, you know, all these classic films that I've never gotten a chance to. I think the most organized way for me to go about doing it is to pick maybe like a director and just watch his entire filmography or most of his filmography um, to really get a sense of who that director was and what their style is, what their motifs are, what their themes that they like to hit upon are and kind of, you know, like we were talking about earlier, two popes versus, you know, Corpus Christi and how those meld together. What if I watch Pulp Fiction followed immediately by Reservoir Dogs? You know, what does that what does that show basically um, about Tarantino in general? So or, or how he's grown over time. So I, I, I already started, you know, working out the rough script. It's, it's going to be called Filmography and Focus, uh, where I basically dive into directors, franchises and genres. Um, kind of hitting, you know, the major films for, from each of those. So the first episode, you know, probably coming out maybe later this month uh, will be about Makoto Sinkai's films. So I just watched Weathering With You, um, and Your Name is one of my favorite films of all time. I watched a bunch of his films on the plane to Asia, so going to be, uh, you know, talking about the themes that he uses throughout. Um, with Bong Joon-ho winning for Best Picture, I'm going to be watching all of his films probably for March. Um, and then, you know, uh, with the the new Bond film coming out in April. I'll probably uh, watch a bunch of historical Bond films, or maybe even go a little broader into just general um, detective or uh, secret spy films. Um, and then with a uh, Fast and the Furious Nine coming out, I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie to be honest, aside from Hobbs and Saw last year. So gotta watch, you know, bins and catch up, and might as well podcast about it. So um, that's kind of what I definitely have on the horizon. I've been throwing around this idea with my friend who works at Disney about watching all the Disney movies in chronological order. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's still a work in progress. So, you know, uh, for now, filmography and focus and some sort of box office podcast coming up. Wow. You definitely got lots going on. That's really impressive. I cannot wait to see what you end up doing next. Yeah. I mean, this, this experience podcasting for the Oscars death race, you know, definitely re like, you know, conferred my, my decisions. Like I really want to get more serious about creating content and, and, you know, growing my skills as a content creator. So yeah, just got to keep doing it and, and get better by doing it. So, awesome. uh, yeah. Well, I hope this isn't the last time we end up chatting. I hope our paths cross cross again soon. Yeah, for sure. Definitely love listening to the Contra Zoom podcast. Um, you know, def definitely one of like my 60 or 70 subscribe podcasts. So, um, <laughs> 
yeah, you know, thanks a lot for the for the great discussions. Yeah, if uh, if anyone wants to check out your show or, or follow you anywhere, where's the, where's the best place to do that? Uh, so unfortunately, like I said, I am not really great at the social medias at the moment, just because like this was very much like a personal. I'm doing it for myself and not for like an audience at this point. At some point, I'll figure this out. But if you want to, you know. Um, on Spotify, just search up the Oscars Death Race podcast, give us a follow there. Um, and then I'll post an episode in that feed eventually when any of my other shows come out eventually. Um, and whenever I get other social media in place, I'll, I'll, I'll link it there as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure that I, uh, I link the show as well, uh, in my social medias too. Paulo, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Oh, thank you, Dakota. You know, keep watching movies. Oh, I will. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Special thanks to Paulo for joining me today. Make sure you check out his show, The Oscars Death Race Podcast, and I'll be sure to spread the news of his next project when it is coming out. Back in April of 2015, I posted the very first ContraZoom episode. It started out with a project of ranking the best picture winners going decade by decade, as I had far too many blind spots. Five years on, I still haven't gotten through them all, as I last left off with Titanic, the 70th winner. But along the way, I produced 100 episodes, ending up here. I want to thank past co-hosts, Andreas Babiolakis and Rachel Gordon, frequent guests like Stephanie Pryor, Sammy Felchenfeld, Mehek Saeed, Sebastian Hines, Sean Chin, Sierra Nutkovich, Colin Mercer, and others. Gaining the opportunity to come aboard the Aesthetic Magazine family last year was a huge honor and has provided me the ability to grow the show even more, especially since I'm finally taking promotion more seriously now. The show has grown to the point where I don't see how I could possibly stop it and not have some people disappointed in its loss. I can't thank each and every listener enough for staying with us, whether it was for one show or the entire run. Season 5 is about to finish off next episode with the best films of 2019, where there will be a short break, but plans are already underway to make 2020 bigger and better than any season before. More interviews, more film screenings, more guests, more podcast crossovers, and just plain more movie talk. I'd like to thank these people that I've interviewed this past year, and I end off with a tribute to these guests. Hey, how you doing? My name is Benjamin Charles Watson, and I'm going to be on Designated Survivor and going to be on TNT Snowpiercer later on this year. I'm Joan Tassoni. I'm Martha Kehoe, and we're the directors of Gordon Lightfoot, If You Could Read My Mind. Hi, this is David Wingo. I was the composer on Film The Report. Hi, this is Joel P. West. I'm the composer for Just Mercy. I'm Trevor Garekis, and you're listening to ContraZoom. And you are listening to ContraZoom. And you are listening to ContraZoom. And you're listening to ContraZoom. Make sure you follow the show on all social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at ContraZoomPod. Send me an email, ContraZoomPod at gmail.com, and let me know what you'd like me to cover in future episodes. Thanks to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music, Stephanie Pryor for the logo design, and Scott Murdoch for the sound effects. Special thanks to Aesthetic Magazine for presenting the show. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and we're trying something new with putting the show up on YouTube. If it's popular enough, it'll be a regular thing. Lastly, thank you for listening, and here's to 100 more. Mm-hmm.